Hi, I'm Cassie Hutton, a mom who sees you, a mom who wants to support you, and a mom who wants to encourage you to do what works best for you, no matter how unusual your parenting style might be. Visit CassieHutton.com to learn more. You can also order the book, Finding Freedom, A Personal Exodus from Deception to Identity on Amazon. And something new I've written this year is a made whole inner healing study. It's not available on any book platform. I offer classes to go along with the curriculum at times throughout the year. So reach out to me on Facebook or email me at CassieHutton27 at gmail.com for more information. If you felt stuck and can't figure out how to move forward from past hurts, traumas, lies, and old belief systems, then this class is for you, especially if you're feeling stuck in your parenting. Everyone needs to go through inner healing at some point in their journey. Leaders in the church are especially sure to need to go through inner healing at some point. You deserve freedom and victory so you can help the next person find theirs. Hey there, I'm Cassie. Today I'm here by myself. I am talking to a microphone. Yes, it is still just as awkward talking to a microphone as it was the very first time I did this. Most of my podcasts I've had a guest on, but I've done very few where I'm just by myself. So today I thought about just sharing my own other birth stories. I've already shared Harper's birth story. There's some things that I left out that I've always wanted to come back on here and share. And I've shared bits and pieces of the other three home births and what that turned out like and what it was like as a first time mom who didn't have a clue what birth was going to be like and still trusting my body and having the faith that I could birth this baby. <laughs> I do want to bring attention to a link that I've been putting in the show notes. I've been putting it at the very top of some of the last few episodes so that everyone would see it. It's a link that says participate by clicking on this link in the show notes, leave a comment, a voice recording. Let me know what you think. I forget exactly what it says, but it's a link where you can actually leave a comment, either type it out and leave it, or you can do a voice recording and leave a comment to leave feedback. You can ask questions. You can let me know if there's a topic in particular that you want to hear about. And so your that feedback just helps the podcast in general. I would love to know what you want to hear. It's just good all the way around. If I can get some of y'all to participate in that, it would be wonderful. So to remind you, you can go ahead and listen to Harper's birth story. I think it's like episode, I think it's the first episode of series two. I believe it's the fifth episode altogether. Um, as soon as she was born, this uh, was just had a passion to share all about birth and all of the birthing stories and let mama's voices be heard. If that was, you know, your decision to have a hospital birth, then I hope it went wonderful for you. But if it didn't, I want to provide just a safe place where you recognize you're not alone. And my trauma did not come through an act, a live birth. My, I, don't, I almost said actual, and that just takes away from the value of life, really. But if you know my story, then I had an abortion when I was 17, and that just sent me down a road of trauma. And I didn't get over it or past it for like 11 years. And it was just, I could feel the control from that side of the medical world. I could feel how women weren't given a choice. They weren't supported in their own decisions and what they felt like their own body needed. And 
so many medicines out there were just band-aids. I was even thinking about that today because in our homeschool group, we are going to make tinctures on Friday. I hope I'm saying that word right, but basically it's, you know, we can just forage in on our own land, pick things that God has provided for us and then let them ferment. And they provide the same potency and medicine that modern world medicine provides, but at the same time, it's helping our gut health instead of destroying our gut health. And that's where modern medicine has come to. And I'll, I'm going to try to find the link. A lady shared how modern medicine came to be about in the history of it and how it creeped into colleges and different things like that. Um, you know, it was the Rockefellers from what I understand that really changed the world of modern medicine as we know it today. And then they share even things like um, just some birthing, you know, people that I follow on Instagram, they share a lot of historical facts on even when women were actually required to start laying on their backs because it was like a king who just didn't like the way and the posture that his wife was giving birth in. It wasn't becoming to him. And so he had the power to start like changing that. And so that those are some of the things that started happening in our world. And so I'll find some of those links and share them so you can read through them if you're interested in that. And so when I had my first home birth and when I had that abortion, I was not a Christian. So when I was a teenager and I experienced that trauma, I didn't even know it was trauma. I didn't even know that I was quote unquote normal and that lots of people had these flashbacks and experiences and all of the guilt and the shame and just the hiddenness and the secrecy behind it. And it wasn't until I was at a conference, you can read my book, Finding Freedom. It gives more detail on it, but I'm just going into this to explain the reason that I chose home birth. But there are people out there that have chosen home birth and they, you know, didn't have a traumatic experience. Most of the home birth people though, they chose a home birth after they'd had the experience in the hospital. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they had a bad experience in the hospital, but they realized that their birth experience could be better. And if you watch the last episode, Jennifer shares that. And she shares how she knew when she was 80 years old that she would want to know what it was like to have pushed her baby out on her own into this world the way that God intended. And so that's what she did. She, you know, made the decision to hire a midwife. And it was, it, it's amazing, her story. Go back and listen to it because God really ministered to them through her midwife after a miscarriage. And it was so sad how the medical field and her previous OB with her, both of her first two births, he wouldn't even see her until she made a deposit, until she got registered with this new birth. And here she was losing her baby and they wouldn't even see her. And so that's just the, you know, the other, the flip side of things. And unfortunately, one thing that I hear is one of the reasons that moms don't choose a home birth is because they've already established a good relationship with their OB and they're comfortable with their OB. And so they just decide, you know, I'm going to go with my OB and then come to find out when push comes to shove and they're actually in labor and where the, the, where the time really matters their OB does like a bait and switch on them. And that's exactly what happened in the last episode where Jennifer shares how she had this conversation with her OB and said multiple times they had the conversation. I do not want an episiotomy and I do not want um, Pitocin. And she ended up getting both. And literally as they were having the conversation that she did not want either of those things, she didn't care if her labor she used the word percolated <laughs> all day. 
she did not want Pitocin. And as he was walking out of the room, he looked at the nurse and said, give her Pitocin. And she shares how, you know, in that moment, women who are in labor are just extremely vulnerable because of the hormones that are being released. And you've established this place of trust, but also oxytocin makes you trust more. And so that's what happened with her. She just, she was like, okay, you know, she should have stood up and given pushback, but she didn't. And she learned from it. She learned from that experience and decided that she was going to go with something different for her third and fourth births. And that's what I hear from multiple mamas that, you know, they chose their OB because they already had an established relationship with them. But what we're missing is, I guess, you know, I don't know what we think about midwives. Some people think they're, you know, like, I don't know, maybe witch doctors or something that, that, you know, they're just too holistic or too weird or too out there, but none of mine. Well, maybe my first one was a little bit out there, but <laughs> she still was an amazing midwife. She knew what she was doing. She had practiced for over 40 years. And the conclusion that I came to in my head when I did cho choose my midwife for that very first birth, I mean, I was like, I went to them and when I had my consultation, I was like, I just knew they were going to tell me that I had to have all of these exams and they wouldn't see me if I didn't have all of these invasive exams. Let me like tab that. That's what's important. I thought that I was going to have to have all of these pap smears. I thought I was going to have to have all of these invasive exams and these scans and probes and with the ultrasounds and all of that stuff that was just I, what I felt like was completely unnecessary. And I mean, I went to that first consultation just like dreading it. And my husband was there and I was crying and I don't know what they thought of me as a first time mom, but we made it through that meeting and, <laughs> you know, they assured me like, you don't have to do any of those things if you don't want to. And the way I reasoned in my head that this was safe was there's no way someone practices midwifery for 40 years, delivering unhealthy babies and having unhealthy mamas. Like clearly she's knowledgeable about when to send mama to the OB and when things get high risk. Clearly she knows and covers, you know, all the boundaries and is thorough in her work because you don't practice for 40 years in something successfully if you're not doing it well. And so that was the mind shift for me and how I assured myself that I chose the right midwife and that we were going to go forward with this. And so sure enough, you know, we, we were pregnant immediately. We were actually pregnant. The labor itself, uh, you know, they told me that it's time to come when you can't talk through contractions. And I was like, when I felt that first contraction, it was 10 o'clock at night and I felt something painful. I had just laid down to bed and I got my phone out and was playing, uh, Candy Crush, is that right? Is that a game that was out at that time, like almost 10 years ago? Candy Crush. And I just turned my phone off, laid my head down to sleep, and I felt this intense pain down low. And I remember getting up and kind of like telling my husband, like, I think I'm feeling some sharp pains. And I remember getting in the bathtub. I remember talking to my mom. And I remember uh, calling the midwife and her saying, you know, can you talk through them? And, um, I kind of was like a little bit dramatic, like, you know, no, I can't talk through them. I think it's time to come. And so we went to the birthing center way too early. And from the, that time, that first contraction happened all 
till he was born was like 20, close to 21 hours. Um, I wasn't dilating very quickly, but it wasn't anything abnormal. The midwives were like, no, this is normal. You know, you can get in the bathtub and rest. I remember at one point I was laboring in a chair and I'm going to share some photos on my Instagram of where I was laboring over this chair and all, all the good photos that I can find, all of the very uh, revealing photos <laughs> without showing too, too much. But I just, I just want people to see how beautiful home birth is. And, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But if you've even thought about it, I just want to be that person, your voice that says you can do this, your encouragement that says you're strong enough and you can trust your body and God's created you for this. And so with that first one, getting into, I remember, okay, let me go back to the chair I labored over this chair for what seemed like forever. And in between contractions, I would get up and I would squat down, hold on to this chair. I also labored on the toilet a lot with that first birth because I'm sorry if guys are listening, but your wife goes into labor and a lot of times they have a lot of bowel movements. It's just comes with the hormones. And with that first birth, I had a lot of bowel movements. And so I labored on the toilet a lot. I got in the bathtub one time and realized how much it slowed my labor down. So I got out, I labored over that chair for a long time and I would sit down on the bed that was right beside me and I would fall asleep between contractions. It was, I was so exhausted already and the baby wasn't even here. And finally the midwife was like, I think his head's a little bit tilted. So I'm just going to like try to open up your cervix and see if you can push you know, on your own. So the fetal ejection reflex had not kicked in yet. That's where your body takes over and starts pushing on its own. And a lot of people say that's where it stops hurting so much and that it actually feels good. I can't say that it actually felt good, but I can say it was a point where it was like, okay, we're almost done. We are at a point where baby's about to be here and you realize how you just need to work with your body to get the baby here. And so she coached me through that and it, it wasn't too long. And I got in a squatting position on the side of the bed and my husband put his arms under my arms, which I also have a picture of. And we started pushing and I pushed for a long time, even though I believe my body was actually pushing for those 45 minutes. And yes, I had the hemorrhoids and all the things after that birth. And I didn't even know what hemorrhoids were. I did not know why I had such pain every time I went to the bathroom, which is kind of sad. I wish I would have like read up more on that, but it was like four months after he was born that it dawned on me that I had hemorrhoids and I finally start, got some medicine, but I was so it, my body had already gone so long that it took a long time. And then I got pregnant immediately after that. And the hemorrhoids have just never gone away. So <laughs> TMI, I'm sorry. Um, but treat yourself for that at home and get some good organic medicine to make it more soothing on yourself. Okay. Just a little just a little uh, advice from a former mother. So uh, yeah, so Cole Thomas got here and we had a lot of trouble nursing. I gave up on nursing after six weeks, but uh, it, it's a beautiful blessing now because we were able to get pregnant right after. Not that we were trying, it was a surprise, but Kaysen was born 12 months. So one year, one week, and one day after Cole was born, we had Cole's birthday party on a Sunday afternoon. Everybody went home, we cleaned up, and Kaysen was born at like 8 or 9 o'clock that morning. I don't remember details and numbers of all my kids' births. I wish I did, but 
it was early morning that he was finally born and his birth was eight hours long. Yes, it did go quicker. I knew what to expect with my first birth. You know, I was so tense and so tight every time a contraction would come and I would resist the pain. And so as I've given birth and just learned different things, I've learned, and I've said this over and over, you've got to relax your body and welcome those contractions and just go limp every time a contraction comes. I'll just warn you, don't get new agey with it. Don't get weird with it. Just welcome the contractions by fixing your eyes on Jesus and saying, you know, encouraging yourself that baby is moving down. You're one contraction closer to meeting your baby if you really want to go natural. And, you know, as you just get it down and as you birth more babies, it just gets easier and easier. It really does as long as baby's in position and stuff. But that, so that's why I think my labor honestly lasted 21 hours. And I think that's honestly the myth behind pregnancy and that first time mamas are going to have a longer labor. I do believe that's a myth. I believe that's a lie. And my job on this podcast is to attack those lies in birth. That's what I feel like God had, why God has called me to record these episodes with other mamas and share my heart. It's because we are attacking the lies that we have as women and men that we've believed because of modern medicine and because of the control that happens all the way up from, you know, the insurance companies to the nurses and doctors and the hospitals and all of it, you know, somebody's at the top controlling things. And we have to start fighting and combating those lies if we want things to change and to protect moms from having the trauma that so many moms go through. I talked to one girl this weekend and it broke my heart. And it's so easy for me to carry a spirit of intercession for moms who have gone through trauma. But this girl was young. She was 20 and she had, I don't know if she was 20. I didn't ask her her age, but she was around 20 years old and she had had her first baby. It was unplanned. She's unwed. I think that she was still with the the father, but the I asked her uh, I asked her lots of questions because I'm doing this podcast and I just want to hear from other moms. And she said to me that the whole thing was traumatic. And when I asked her what would you do differently, she was she started to say nothing. But then she looked at me. She said nothing. I'll I'll I will I'm not going to have more kids. This was too traumatic. This was too traumatic. And she had a vaginal birth. But the whole thing was too traumatic for her. And that just breaks my heart because she's vowed. She's already made this inner vow in her early 20s that she will not do it because it was too hard. And when we make those inner vows, we're setting an idol in our heart and saying, I know better than God. And we're not putting our trust in God. And I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but that's the truth of it. When we say, I'm not having any more kids and I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not putting this out there. If you've done something permanent, you and your husband, that was a decision that you and him made. And it's, it's, you know, God redeems everything. But when we make these inner vows that like, I am not having any more kids. I just, I know that it breaks God's heart because he has such a blessing in each child that he gives us. And yes, it's hard. It's not easy at all, but each one of them are shaping us and molding us. And, you know, uh, is it Leah in the Bible that says when she has Judah, she says, now I will praise the Lord. And that was her fourth. And, and I don't think it was her final child, but it was this like, it wasn't that she got saved and suddenly now she believed in God. It was a fulfillment that she had actually stepped into her destiny through a child 
and that, you know, the lineage of Jesus came through that. So anyways, that's just my heart and my, my mindset on birth. Now I will say, I said that we were done after Kaysen was born, our second child, and then we adopted Trenton and it was just too hard. A one, two and three year old at home. It was extremely hard. And, you know, they got a little bit older and I decided let's try, you know, for another child. And we were actually, well, you can go read my blog post. I'm going to share Ellie's story, but actually my son, Cole, my firstborn said to me, when are we going to have another baby? And I said, what would you name her? Or what would you name the baby? And he, without skipping a beat with no pause in his voice, he said, Ellie. And so I looked up that name. I was just curious. What does Ellie mean? And her name means God is my light. And so I just started asking God, do you really want us to have another baby? And sure enough, he did. He blessed us with a baby girl. And now we have two baby girls. And again, you can go watch, listen to Harper's birth story on episode number five. But Ellie's the only baby that I really knew anything about before she got here. And she has just been a huge blessing to us. She's three years old now. And I, I just, it was beautiful to see. I would sing and prophesy over my womb because we tried for like four months to get pregnant. And I would just prophesy over my womb, this little light of mine, I'm going to let you shine. And I knew that God had a great blessing and I got pregnant with her and I had two revelations that she was a girl. It was just really cool. Harper, on the other hand, nope. <laughs> like I had convinced myself that it was a boy because I I just convinced myself that it was a boy. And so it was really hard for me to hear God in that moment. And I'm even having a revelation right now of like, that's an idol in my heart that I had set my own mindset in my heart um, of what I thought was right. And so thank you, Lord, just forgive me for that. But my second birth with Kaysen, here I was pregnant with... <laughs> I found out when Cole was about five months old, we had just bought a new house and we were fixing it up, painting it. I was teaching school and I found out I was pregnant and it was like overwhelming to me. And I looked at my husband and I said, we're pregnant. And he sat in silence for about five minutes. And then he said, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. You know, we're welcoming a new baby. And so here I was calling the midwife again and got set up with her again and started going to all my appointments again and welcoming this new baby. And so I'm not a Christian at this time with my first or my second baby, but I do remember asking God for song lyrics for them because I wanted to put it on a canvas and put it on their walls. And he was faithful, even though I wasn't a believer. And I did feel like I heard God's voice during those times even though I had not truly accepted Christ in my heart, he was still faithful. He knew that, you know, I was beginning to seek him. And so Kaysen's birth, the first birth, I chose a hard birth again for reasons that I loved my first birth. I felt so empowered after delivering a baby who, uh, you know, that excruciating, I mean, and I'm not going to lie, it was excruciating pain and not to scare anyone because I'm giving you the resources on how to not have excruciating pain. I remember not, I remember trying, making sure my mind didn't go to that. I remember making sure my mind was prepared. Like you handled that first one. You can handle this second one again. You can handle this pain for the short amount of time. Like you can do it again. And so sure enough, I did because the beauty of it all is that you create such a relationship with women who truly care. You create a relationship with women who are so passionate about birth and not about sometimes I wonder if, you know, OBs, because they're trained to look for the problems, they're trained to treat high risk pregnancies. I, sometimes I wonder if they don't get off on actually 
seeing things go south. I wonder if they, you know, thrive on that emergency room type experience because, you know, people are wired. I mean, they, that God has put that in people. And if they're not like just totally passionate about the surgeries themselves and, you know, modern medicine themselves, the way that midwives are so passionate about helping women experience the true birth that they want. And that's true for all of my births. I didn't do anything like to prepare myself for labor with either one of my first two. I prepared myself for labor with my third and my fourth. Definitely. I prepared myself with the second one for nursing because I was so upset that breastfeeding didn't work out. And so that was my focus while I was pregnant with my second one and focusing on making sure that works and giving my baby the best start that I could. I did not want to do formula. And so that's when Kaysen started to come, I labored for a good, (laughs) probably five hours or six hours, maybe even seven hours. And things progressed a lot like they did with Cole. They started off just one night, woke up in the middle of the night, um, labor pain started, called the midwife, told my husband, hey, I think I'm in labor. And his response was, here we go again. (laughs) I love you, Galen. But that was, I do remember that. And I totally get it. I mean, I was in the same boat, like, yes, here we go again. I hope it doesn't last 21 hours. And it didn't, thank goodness. And so about that seven hour mark, I started pushing and my mother-in-law was there and she, I was just laboring. I was sitting down in the recliner. I was just sitting, relaxing, just focusing on the contractions, um, which is not what you're supposed to do. Don't focus on the contractions. You need to focus on your happy place, your Jesus place, your glory place when those contractions come. But that was me at the time. I have grown since then. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden there was a push and I just bared down and my mother-in-law was like, are you pushing? I'm like, yes. And so she got the midwife on the phone. If you listen to that last episode, you'll know that he came very quickly. The midwife did not make it. The assistant made it. It was raining and it was cold in July. He was born July 9th, or June 9th. I'm sorry, June 9th. And it was cold and the midwife didn't make it in time for him to be born. The assistant caught her very first baby by herself. All was well, but she had me get up. I was, you know, I had squatted down in front of the recliner to deliver this baby. And she was like, get her up, get her out. And I could see my husband. We had like five little stairs that went down into a hallway and I could see him from the recliner. And I I was laboring over the chair backwards once again. And he was pacing and biting his fingers, pacing back and forth, biting his fingers. He was so nervous that he was about to have to catch this baby or that just things, you know, right there when it just gets so intense and I'm bearing down and like this baby is coming and I'm not going to not push. And somehow or another, I don't know how I did this. I made it to the bed. I laid on my back and I started pushing. I, she said, stop pushing, stop pushing. She was on the phone the whole time. Um, he was crowning as, the assistant walked in and he tried to take a breath actually before he was fully born, which made her pretty nervous, but he arrived. Like So with Ellie, my third birth, it was quite a few years later. I think Kaysen was six when she was actually born and I'm now going to church and I'm around believers. And so someone gave me or planted a seed and just told me with both of my births, I read the book, Supernatural Childbirth and 
it was a great book and she just raved on how, you know, it really did help her perspective. It gave her hope to hold on to. It gave her just revelation behind God's true design for birth and that women are not supposed to, you know, just have all these long, 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 painful labors that are extremely unhealthy and all of the things. And so I read that book and it did plant a seed in my heart to believe for a supernatural childbirth. And that was like something I really uh, um, sought the Lord on, gave it to him. I even remember when I was praying in the book, she says she prayed for a two hour birth and she would declare all these things over her birth. And, you know, every single one of them came true. And, you know, you can get kind of like discouraged in that. I just want to uh, warn you, if you do read that book, don't get discouraged in some of the things that she says about that book in that book, if it doesn't happen for you, because it's not that you didn't have enough faith It just, you know, each person is different and we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let him guide us on what to pray for a lot of times. And I remember praying for lots of things. I had already, like I told you, I had already received, you know, Ellie's name and that we were supposed to have another birth and that she was a girl even before we had an actual sonogram. And so I remember praying for a two hour birth, just like she said in the book, like I'm praying for a two hour birth. I'm believing for a two hour birth. It's going to go fast. It's going to go quick. And all of these things I'm praying and it just was like something didn't settle right in my spirit. I just knew like that was not the prayer that God wanted me to pray over Ellie's birth. And so all of a sudden it just hit me one day. It was like, pray for a three hour birth. And I just knew I had such faith in that. It was like faith came down and I was like moved. And so I started believing for that, a three hour birth. I started declaring scriptures over my birth and putting them around my bathroom to encourage myself. I put like pretty uh, watercolor mountains over my, all in my bathroom and on the mirror. And, you know, one is in first Timothy where it says women will be saved through childbearing all the other ones in Isaiah 66, where it says, well, I would not bring to the point of delivery and not deliver. And then also this one, this one is kind of a new revelation for me, but when we're talking about home birth, we're obviously talking about healthy women, healthy births, that there is no high risk in them at all. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't hiccups along the way. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, there, you know, I was borderline gestational diabetes, I think with every single one of mine, but monitoring it at home, trying to change my diet, doing all the things that I could naturally do, you know, it didn't change anything. We never once talked about induction or they were very adamant to help me like understand, like, what is your birth plan? And thank goodness with the first one, I wasn't like, this is my birth plan and this is what it's going to be because I knew that it could go any way that I I was just like, okay, we're going to let it just play out. And I think a lot of moms do that with their first one. So Sure enough, with Ellie, my water broke and exactly about 30 minutes later, contractions started and exactly three hours later, she was born. It was amazing. Things progressed extremely fast. The midwife did make it there on time because I told her, I was like, well, my water broke, (laughs) so come on. And she did. And 
she was there to see the whole, I mean, she was there maybe 45 minutes after, you know, and um, contractions didn't get really bad until about transition phase. So that means you're already at least a seven or an eight dilated and, you know, baby's going to be here quickly. And I just remember laying on my side in the bed and focusing on what I learned which was to let my body go limp. That's what I focused on. Contractions coming, go limp. Contractions coming, don't tighten up. Contractions coming, rest your jaw. Oh, this is such a cool fact too. The reason your jaw is so important during birth is because you have a muscle that actually connects all the way down to your pelvis. I don't know if it's actually the pelvis um, bone that it connects to, but it goes all the way from your jaw and goes all the way down your midsection. And so that's extremely important whenever you're bearing down and women are making these noises during birth that they've never made before. There is a, a, a physiological reason why that's happening because this muscle is, is helping you. Just some tips, you know, on giving birth, even if you're in the hospital, make sure that you're allowed to move around. Make sure that your wishes um, are being given to you. Make sure that you have someone there to fight for you and stand up for what you want and what you uh, so desire in your birth. Make sure that you are setting an atmosphere, even in a hospital room. We've talked about setting atmospheres over and over and over again. If you don't feel comfortable where you're at, you're not going to be able to relax and you're not going to be able to produce that oxytocin hormone. And so you've got to do that. And so with Harper, it was like, you know, that's just I was able to so focus so much more on Jesus and not just relaxing my jaw and actually focusing on Jesus. And, you know, he is my love language. He is the lover of my soul. And it just made such a difference. I mean, basically she was here within an hour from contractions really picking up strong because I've shared this before. My contractions had slowed down to almost 10 minutes when the first midwife got there and she was born an hour later. And you know, I never get checked. I don't let myself go there because so many mamas are disappointed. I read a post just the other day. Obviously, I'm in a lot of birth groups. I, I'm trying to ask lots of questions to lots of mamas recently and try to understand where they're coming from on birth and what they've experienced and what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And I read a post in a birth group the other day and she was like, oh gosh, I'm 39 weeks and I'm only, I don't even know if she was 39. She may have been less than that. I'm only dilated to a three and she's already just having this doom and gloom come over her in those last weeks of pregnancy when you should be relaxing. You should be focusing on welcoming your baby. You should be focusing on being able to nest in your home because there's a whole nother like, uh, your brain is wired to do that nesting in those last few weeks. And so when we take a baby early and mama's not able to get that nesting phase in that she wanted to, and she's not able to do all the things that God has designed us to do, we're taking away so much from the preparation and the birth that God has planned for us and just the actual natural process of it all, which contributes to the development of the baby and the natural releases of hormones from mama. Um, Dr. Sarah Wickham is the one who shared that about the nesting phase and how it's so important for moms. And when we take a baby early and she's not able to do that, it hinders the birth. And so there's just so much to it when we don't trust God's design. And that's not to condemn anyone. We live and we learn, <laughs> right? And so that's my births in a nutshell, in a very quick nutshell. Once again, if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you want to just share a comment 
click on that link, share with me your birth story. What went right? What went wrong? Um, tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you have questions about. Tell me, reach out to me because I would love to help you with your, any kind of birth, but especially home birth because I'm a little bit headstrong and very opinionated when it comes to the home birth thing and making sure that mama gets her wishes and mama's not messed with too much, even if she has a few things go wrong. Like one mama sent me a message not too long ago and she said, I've had a setback. And the setback was that she tested positive for GBS and she um, has now been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And to me, I'm like, why is that a setback? I mean, are you managing your diabetes? Then why is that a setback? GBS, I mean, most babies, I asked my midwife, I said, when you have a mama that tests positive for GBS, do they opt for the antibiotics? She said, actually, they don't. Most moms, the majority of moms, and she doesn't have a whole lot that tests positive for it because she has a lower clientele. But she said, no, the ones that do test positive for it decline the antibiotics. And so I didn't even test for GBS. I didn't even, I said, no, I'm not doing that. And she said, well, either way, if you have it or you don't have it, whether you were to test positive for it or not, I'm still going to make sure you watch for these signs and symptoms when I'm about to leave your baby. And if you read the science on it, most babies are going to react to this group B strep is what GBS is. This group B strep is like a bacteria that the baby can catch when they come out of the canal. And they will experience the signs and symptoms of catching it within that first hour. And the midwives stay there with you for two hours and they do the APGAR test right there in front of you. They run herbal baths for you. They get you, you know, food. They get you all the things that a mama needs after she's gone through, you know, birthing her baby. And she needs that time to not worry about her baby being rushed off to the NICU. She needs time to bond with her baby. She needs time to make sure that baby nurses correctly. She needs time to process everything that just happened, right? And she needs to be loved on so that she can connect with her baby. And the dad needs to be there so that dad can connect with the baby and experience the joy of, you know, fatherhood himself. And that's just the beauty of home birth truly is that right after the baby is born and getting your wishes and not having to worry about, oh no, are they giving my baby shots that I don't want them to give or um, just all the things that you might not even realize take place in a hospital because it, it just happens. It happens. I'm here to tell you it happens. And I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before. I hope that I've shared my heart on home birth and why I'm so passionate about it. It's an experience. You know, I can talk about it all day long, but I hope that these, this series and the birthing stories that we've shared on here truly ministers to somebody, first of all, but also helps you make a decision and go, okay, home birth isn't all that scary. You know, birth is not some disease that we're treating. And it, it, it rather is a natural process that a woman's body goes through. Can there be complications? Yes. But the majority of women are not going to experience complications at all. And, you know, even if, and and it's just that there are blatant lies. And unfortunately, so many women believe those lies. Um, The young girl that I talked about who said she's not, she's vowed to herself to not have another baby. She told me that her doctor told her the baby wasn't growing anymore. And that's why they needed to induce her. And of course, what happens? The baby comes out larger than what they told her. They 
you know, she's young and naive and just trusts what the doctors are saying. And she doesn't know the science behind the fact that the placenta does just doesn't just stop working. Like you don't just grow your baby up to 39 weeks. And then all of a sudden the placenta stops working, especially in a young, vigorous, the Hebrew women were vigorous. That is why the women had their babies so quickly in the Bible where Pharaoh told the midwives to kill the babies, to kill the first, to kill all the boys. They said, we can't kill them because the, the Hebrew women are so vigorous. Their babies come so quickly. So I just speak that over you, that you are a vigorous woman and you can give birth because you are healthy, because you are healed, because you are eating correctly. You are exercising. You are doing all of the things physically that you could possibly do. And you're keeping your spirit fed at the same time. Amen. And so what happens when the baby got here? They told her the baby was going to be under five pounds, even at 39 weeks. And that was just too small. So they needed to take it early. And the baby gets here and it's over six pounds. But does anyone ever look at that mama, the doctors or the OBs or the nurses? Do they say to that mama, like, I'm so sorry, we were wrong. And they're not doing that. They're not taking responsibility for their actions. And so many mamas are just completely traumatized. I, I can tell you there's not a single... I don't know that I've ever talked to a single mom who didn't have some sort of drama in the hospital compared to home births or birthing centers where moms are given freedom and they're given support and they're given, you know, no regrets. And, and I have, yes, I have heard of stories where one story was that a girl did have to go to, you know, the hospital because the baby wasn't coming out. And she pushed for four hours and her midwives, shame on them for having her push for four hours. But that might've been a wish of the mom at the same time that she didn't want to go to the hospital until it was four hours later. You know, I don't know the full story there. That's my heart behind it and my passion behind it. And so I um, am really looking forward to writing a curriculum and sharing from a Christian perspective. There's a lot of new age stuff out there that claims to be Christian about birth and how you can have a pain-free birth and things like that. But I'm going to have someone on here soon who I truly believe she's not new age. I truly believe that she's grounded. And I learned a lot from her about having a birth with Ellie and my third birth and how to focus on Christ. And so I'm looking forward to that. Stay away, steer clear of the new age stuff, pray about it so that God would reveal your eyes. What is new age and all of those things that they're talking a lot more about self and learning to, uh, you know, positive affirmations instead of Christ-centered affirmations, then, you know, stay away from it. That's just, you're inviting a whole new ball game into your birth that you do not want. Okay. So anyways, thank y'all for listening. I love you all. Please drop your comments down, participate with me, reach out to me on Facebook and let me know how you're liking these. Re follow me on Instagram at Barefoot Parent and on Facebook at Cassie Hutton. Be sure to subscribe to these episodes. We're going to eventually go into postpartum, lactation, health, health things that you can do. Be vigorous today. You can do it, mamas. If you need help, if you need resources, please reach out to me. I'll be sure to drop all the links that I mentioned today in the show notes below.
Thanks for joining me on this episode of Barefoot Parenting. If what you're doing works for you, is healthy for your family, and is growing you in the ways you need to grow, then it's time to step out of the feeling of guilt and shame and wear your Barefoot Mama badge proudly. Remember, Barefoot parents are doing things differently, so be encouraged today if you're feeling the pushback in your parenting style. You're doing something right. Thank you.